Hello and welcome to Curious About Nature podcast. Um, I'm really delighted today as we have Rebecca Heaps joining us from Tentshare. Rebecca was uh, a primary school teacher for about 10 years and has also worked in the construction industry and as founder of Tentshare, which launched in February 2020, Tentshare is a peer-to-peer tent matching service. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, lovely to see you. Thank you for having me on your brilliant podcast. It's a pleasure. It's, re- it's been a while since we've had conversations. We've met through very specific groups and obviously spent a, a summer on Clubhouse together, but it's been a yeah. long time. So it's really nice to uh, catch up with you. I'm really yeah, curious same. to hear about Tentshare and share it with podcast listeners. Where did the idea of Tentshare come from? So Tentshare is all about making an asset from something you already own, your tent. And that's exactly where it came from, because I was thinking about of ways that I could utilize an asset I already own to make a bit more money. I have a beautiful bell tent, which I love. And I started renting that out to people locally, to families, to a wedding. And I rented it also. Actually, I gave that for free, but in a, in a school, they had a school fair and I had a little toddler tent with lots of toys in there and a nice safe space for the mummies to go. And it was successful. And and so I thought I'm going to try and extend this and grow it. So I'll put it on like an Airbnb type platform to get a better reach and a wider reach. And when I started looking, there just wasn't one. And that was when someone said to me, why don't you build one? And that is how Tentshare came into it being so tent shares for people to be able to list their tents and share them with people locally and for someone who would like to go camping but doesn't want to invest in a tent or doesn't want to store a tent you can rent one from someone local to you or from someone local to where you're going to camp it's a brilliant idea because my family we love the outdoors we don't own a tent at the moment, but we've got pop-up play tents, that kind of thing. And it's certainly something that we're very keen to encourage my daughter to be a bit more adventurous with getting outside and, and being away from home, especially. So tell me a little bit more. How does it work then? If I was to, to get involved in Tentshare, how would it work? Yes. Yeah, so there's two options to be involved in Tentshare. In fact, anyone can be involved because if you're not a camper, this enables you to camp. But if you are a camper, this enables you to share your equipment and your tent. So basically, if you own a tent, and quite a lot of people have a few tents in their garage, coming to understand, because they use them for different purposes, or maybe their family, they had a small tent and their family grew, so they bought a bigger tent. So often there's a few tents that are not being used. And even if you are a camper, you're probably only using it a few times a year. So this is an opportunity for you to share your tent with somebody who would like to go camping. So you put it onto the Tentshare website, and then if someone wants to use your tent, they can contact you through the website and arrange to rent your tent or borrow your tent. So you're in charge of the whole transaction, the tent owner, you can decide who you want to rent your tent to, whether you want to rent your tent. I've been doing it for the last three or four years and I've never had an issue with anybody renting. Everyone's looked after it so carefully. But on the website, there's a deposit system, there's a review system. Basically, it works just like Airbnb. I was going to call it fresh Airbnb. (laughs) Um, But I I didn't think I would uh, be able to take on Airbnb. And the other thing is it stops people buying new tents. Yeah. Something like 250,000 tents go into landfill each year. And that's a terrible waste of the resources that we already own. And they're pretty much mostly made of plastics, different types of plastics, the nylon and the fiberglass poles and all of that. They don't go back into the earth. They just stay there 
you know, for goodness knows how long. It's a way of getting these tents out and used and stop the single use of tents. It's such a brilliant idea on so many levels. You've got the money saving, you've got that whole potential to earn money from doing it. And then obviously, really importantly, the environmental aspect is just, just fantastic. It's also the joy of sharing something yes. that you absolutely yeah. love doing. So when I lend my tent out to people, they come back and they were like, oh, we had a brilliant time. I was never going to go camping. And I, I decided to try it and we had a great time. We're going to do it again. And we're looking into buying a tent. And also if you're looking into buying a tent, you can buy something that will really last of a high quality, knowing that you can make some of the money back. So yeah, it's a way of reducing our consumption. And if we are going to consume, then making sure that we're buying the right thing for us and yeah. for our needs. Yeah, a great tip there, isn't it? Being a sort of try before you buy. It's a really good idea. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which part of the UK, I'm just curious, has the most tents at the moment? I think it's probably mostly around the Glastonbury area because yeah. I have a company, Camp Light, who have hundreds of salvaged tents and they have their tents on our website. And yeah. interestingly, Kieran have been working together and they've just turned Camp Light into a cooperative and I'm now director of Camp Light. So we're working really in conjunction to try and reduce tent waste across festivals and with tent sharers, more families and, and family camping. So. Yeah, such a really great synergy, isn't it, between the two of you? Have you got any tips for first-time campers? Yeah, I would say choose your tent wisely and use, there's lots of blogs, but also lots of experienced people on the Tent Show website. And you can ask them. The best thing to do is to say, this is how I'm thinking of camping. And would this be a good tent to use it for that purpose? One of the greatest things to do is to camp out in your back garden. So rent a tent camp out in your back garden, see if you like it, then you can pop inside and make yourself a cup of tea or you can pop inside and get a hot water bottle if you get cold and you can trial how you're going to enjoy it. And you still get the amazing benefits camping, even if you're in your back garden. The other thing I would suggest is to spend time making sure that your bed is comfortable. So if you get a good night's sleep, you will have a wicked time. I can almost guarantee it. You, Even if it rains, even if it doesn't go according to plan, so long as you have an, a good night's sleep, everything is just great fun. Oh, and the other thing is if you're taking family camping, throw the routines out of the window. The children will just basically go feral and they have the best time. So don't worry about bedtimes, even sometimes proper meal times, just to go with the flow. We, we went camping in a bell tent last summer. Yeah, my daughter was like, can we come back next week? <laughs> Yay! Yeah, so yeah, no, she's definitely a convert. So that's really great. I'm looking forward to doing more of that. We're going to probably go a little bit more local this year, I think, just because you just fancy a few kind of like long weekend trips instead. You mentioned there about meal times a little bit. So have you got any recommendations for families that are camping together for meals? Yes. In fact, me and a great company, Avni from Virtualicious, she's founder of Virtualicious, we have just put together a weekend meal planner for a family of four. So my suggestion is to keep everything as simple as possible, but you want things as fresh and as healthy as possible. So our meal planner is curry, or you can even make it a stew if you're not a massive fan of the curries. So chop up some vegetables, take some meat, pre-chop everything before you go, uh, yeah. especially for the first night. Do a one pot meal, bring some naan bread or pita bread. You only need basically one pot for that and a campfire or one source of heat. Heat it up 
and then you're good to go. And then the next night, I would say it is really nice if you've got an open fire to do some kebabs. So you get your fresh meat or your fresh vegetables and put them onto sticks and then skewer them. And Virtualicious have put together a package where you've got the barbecue sauce. She does curry in a hurry. So oh, it's right, a yeah. pack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> the flavouring and then some spices. And then it's got a little extra section, which I find really useful, where you add the heat in at the end. Ah, so, right. And then you can yeah. put it in for the right level for whoever's eating it. Yeah, exactly we do, do that, yeah. that. My daughter likes curry, but she doesn't like them spicy. So that's a good way of managing it, isn't it? Exactly. So you just put a couple of pinches in just to give it that slight little edge or, or you can whack the whole lot in if you like a nice hot curry. And then snacks. I think the main thing is just have a bunch of stuff to be able to chuck at the kids as they're running around. Like bananas are really good. Grain bars, granular bars and energy balls. They're really good. Any suggestions for activities then for families obvious one is just let the kids go for it <laughs> yes but if they're struggling and sometimes if they haven't been camping before and they don't know what to do one thing i did i took my nieces and nephews camping and they were slightly younger than my kids and i printed off a little camping journal and they are online on etsy and i think even if you just googled it you could get some and basically it was like a little journal of everything that they'd done each day unusual things that they'd seen and there were lots of things that they could fill in and little quizzes camping quizzes and word searches so that they're feeling a bit lost they can come and sit in the tent and just do a bit of coloring and a little bit of relaxation and, and then they can bring that home and they They've got a little memory of yeah. their first camping trip. Top trumps is also a good one because everyone can play that pretty much. Bring a ball for sure. And then one thing I love to do is I get the children to sit in silence for five minutes and try and remember all the things that they can hear. One of the campsites we go to, we can hear the sea. If we're quiet, it really brings quite a meditative feel mm. to them and they'll, they'll hear things that they wouldn't ordinarily hear just in the everyday. So that's a really nice activity, really slows them and gets them concentrating on what's around them. We did a little bit of stargazing because we were up on the hillside in Wales, which was really nice to, to do. Where we live, we're quite lucky, to be honest, the street lighting. But yeah, it's one of our favourite things is the stargazing at night. Absolutely. And staying yeah. up a little bit later is fun anyway, isn't it? It's that not going to bed at the normal times is, is yeah. really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hot chocolates as well. Lots of hot chocolates. And of course, you've got to do your toasted marshmallows over the campfire if you're allowed a campfire. But you can also do it if you can get one of those self-contained grills like barbecues. You can toast marshmallows over those as well. Have you got any favourite places that you've visited, maybe as a family or as an individual that you want to share with us? St David's in Wales. I used to go there with a, a group of families when my kids were really little. We would camp on this cliff edge. We could have three different weather fronts across the view that we could see. It was absolutely beautiful and the coast along that way is absolutely glorious so yeah highly recommend that for a family norfolk i absolutely adore i've got this great campsite that i go to i think it's called walnut tree farm campsite and you can walk to they've got a private access to the beach so you basically can pitch your tent and then run down to the beach it's close enough that it's not too exhausting for the kids and you can hear it at night and then the black mountain in wales I used to go there as a child. I didn't camp as a child, funnily enough, but I absolutely love camping now. And I have booked to go and camp in the Black Mountains. And there's also two great clubs 
that you can join. There's the Greener Camping Club and they have campsites that don't allow vehicles on site. So you have to park your vehicle rights outside that doesn't have great big parties and doesn't have huge groups of people so that you're really immersing yourself into the natural order mm -hmm. of things and then there's a company called nearly wild camping which i've just discovered and they're very similar so you've got some facilities there but it, it's kept very low-key but there are also campsites where you can go and they've got a swimming pool and activities and stuff for the kids to do and a pub on site that's also a great thing so it's about what sort of camping you want to do yeah absolutely sometimes you want that kind of connection with nature and having something which is quiet and peaceful and then other times you just need that kind of organized activity or opportunity to do stuff and i guess some kids prefer one to another as well so knowing your own family and what they're interested in is gonna gonna make that decision easier you touched on this already rebecca camping is really great for that connection with nature how, how do you think we can encourage children's connection with nature further just getting outside as much as possible during lockdown i did a, a foraging course i took my daughter and we went and foraged for some rose hips, mm. rose hip berries, and made some lovely rose hip syrup. And rose hip has got more vitamin C, like 20 times more vitamin C than an orange. And it's a local resource. So it's indigenous to the UK. So yeah, foraging is great fun. The children love that because they're looking for something. It's like a little hide and seek. They're picking something, they're bringing something home and making something useful. So that's a fun activity to do. And then talking about it, looking at it and being in it and acknowledging with them what a great resource our, our planet is and what a great resource we have in nature. Yeah, I think one of the things that we enjoy doing as a family is when it gets to wild garlic season, mm. we've got a couple of places quite close to our house that it, you, that smell, which I know some people don't like. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love potato and garlic soup and it's the cheapest mm. meal possible but it's really tasty and uh, interestingly it was my daughter's childminder when she was about two introduced me to it and was like yeah we went foraging and then they made this soup together which is really lovely way of connecting I think with yeah. the food that we grow and what's available to us. Another good one is pine needle tea mm. so if you take the pine needles just the ends and the pine needles and boil them up and the taste was actually really nice. It was really lemony. Mm. It was quite an unusual taste. And that's yeah. an easy win for the kids because you're actually making something, you can see it yes. happening and then it tastes not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So we haven't really come on to sharing in this podcast yet, and it'd be really great to hear from you. What is the sharing economy? So obviously tent sharing is part of that, that philosophy, that idea. But could you tell us a little bit more about what it is? Yeah, the sharing economy is basically organised sharing. Airbnb is a great example. If you've got a room and you would like to make a bit of money from it, then you can rent it out. Tentshare is offering a platform for you to share the thing that you own. There are other ways of how sharing economy works where you have a stock of items like a stock of cars. You've seen the zip cars, they're a sharing economy. Mm -hmm. So you have a stock of cars and people are allowed to share them. So yeah, that's basically how it works. But the point is that we have taken too much from the planet. We already have enough resources. If we stopped making clothes tomorrow, we'd be able to dress from what we've already got. We'd be able to dress the next six generations globally. We've all got enough things in our, in our world, especially in the UK, that we shouldn't really be having to take anything new from the planet. And so the sharing economy is a way of reducing our need to consume, but also getting the thing that we want. Mm. So 
I, I declared it a while ago, didn't I? Ownership <laughs> is dead and sharing is rising. Yeah. So it's going to take a massive mindset shift because people like to own things. Yeah. People like to have things. But I do believe that the younger generation, as they're coming through, are more open to not having ownership and are way more open to sharing their things. I'm hoping it's going to become more of a common thing to, to share, to have organised sharing. So, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's the sharing economy in a nutshell. Now, it is important, isn't it, that we start to change our mentality on those things. I agree with you. I've seen some really great examples locally as well. We have a, a village Facebook group where you can share. And, and the mm. idea is that it, it can either be given away permanently or you can put your hand out and say, look, I'm looking for a tool to do some DIY, for instance. Instead of going out and buying that, you can borrow it from your neighbour for free. And through that, we've had almost new beds from it for my daughter. We've done toy swaps. The other day she said she wanted to read Harry Potter. So I just put out a little note saying, hey, we, we'd like to read Harry Potter this weekend. Has anyone got any of the books? Two minutes later, yeah, come around to my house and collect them. It's that kind of a uh, little bit of give and take with your neighbours. And I've had conversations that I wouldn't have had with people who live five, six streets away from me. And it's just really lovely. I borrowed a jacket recently for the Theopathiatist Conference. And it was from an older lady. And she said, I don't get to wear it anymore. You're very welcome to, you know, borrow any time. And then we got into a conversation about what she'd done in her career. And it was just really nice having that connection. So it was that way to get to know people as well. And that kind of community vibe is really important. It'd be great if we could get that back, definitely. And I think that sharing of resources helps bring people together in a way that you, you don't get. You mentioned about the stories, people telling you about their experiences. And that's just really wonderful having that kind of connection with people. And it's absolutely, it creates a community like Tentshare people who upload and list their tents to mm -hmm. the website you're becoming part of a community a like-minded community we're all willing sharers and we're all ready to um, do the best we can to help to share our, our resources with each other so they you, you've already got a little ready-made community of people who have the same passions and interests as yourself like camping and looking after nature and being willing to share and so yeah it, be, it starts to build a really good community we've got a couple more questions for you rebecca about the environmental impact so you touched on the point of why it's uh, so important that we maybe change the way that we think about how we use resources get resources do you know what the environmental impact is of staying local versus traveling abroad it's a huge carbon saving to stay local as soon as you start flying you're just using loads of carbon also there's a great carbon saving when you reuse an item every time an item gets reused the carbon footprint lowers and i've spent some lovely conversations with Eamon, who i think you're having on the podcast or have had on the podcast from No Carbon and he has worked out the value of tents and different types of tents and also worked out the savings that you do every time you use one. An average festival tent is about 3.2 kg of carbon but that doesn't sound like much which is equivalent to about 350 plastic bottles doesn't sound like much but when you think that someone's just going to use it once at a festival and then throw it away if you can keep those out of landfill and start using them the carbon footprint lowers. We're not buying any more new ones. You can see 
environmental impact of reusing and using our resources. Shall I tell you about what we just did with Camp Light? Mm. Yeah, so Camp Light was commissioned to provide 300 tents for a film set. So yeah, we went and pitched up 300 tents and it, it was for like a refugee apocalyptic type campsite. So it had to be all like dodgy looking tents and, and stuff like that. The films that were going to buy all new tents, Camp Light has got a stock of salvaged tents. So they're being re reused again. They created a much better looking refugee sort of camp, apocalyptic camp. So it did really well. And, and then at the end, we went and picked them all up. We've packed them all away. We've repaired them all and they're ready now to be rented out to festival goers. But there were a certain amount that got ruined. But what I've done is we've dried those, we've folded them up and I found a company, two companies who want to take them and repurpose them into bags, flags. So again, keeping everything out of landfill and they'll use the straps and the clips and the zips and the poles. In fact, I've got my poles and my tomato yeah. sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some poles that uses tomato sticks. So everything, as far as possible, is kept out of landfill. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. If you've got two takeaways, is keep your carbon emissions down and keep things out of landfill. Those two sort of mantras in your head, you're going to be doing good for the planet and good for our society. All of this great work that you've been doing has won you a P award. And I was so pleased when you won that. Uh, you really <laughs> deserved it, Rebecca. Um, <laughs> Thanks. What, what did it mean to you? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. It meant so much. I was totally overwhelmed on the night. I really didn't think I was going to win. But what it meant was it was an affirmation and it was a reflection of the good works that is are being done. And it wasn't just for Tent Share. I was on a, I was on a table with other sustainable and purpose-led businesses one of them came up to me and they said it felt like that award was for all of us and i totally 100 percent agree because there are a lot of purpose-led and passion-led businesses who are trying to do something different something new and something more sustainable in the world of business when you're a disruptor you often don't get a lot of support <laughs> from people, especially from the people you're disrupting. And so to have that award and to have that acknowledgement made me feel like, yeah, I'm just going to keep going with it. I'm going to keep moving forward. It's the right thing to do. It is best for our future and our kids' futures to try and change and disrupt the way we currently do business, the way that currently we're set up to consume and consume as a society and to flip that on our head, but also without compromise. We don't all have to go and start eating oatmeal and wearing cloth sacks. We can share our resources and we can have all our lovely shiny things. Just don't keep making new and throwing away what we've already got. It doesn't have to be a compromise. It's a new and a better way. I've gone on a rant now, haven't I? <laughs> So the award meant so much to me. And the whole evening was terrifically glamorous and gorgeous and sumptuous, but it was all vegan, a beautiful vegan meal. It was all sustainable products that were being used. Most of us were wearing stuff that we already owned or were borrowed or had hired from because there was a sharing economy platforms for clothes and fashion. And we still had the most glorious time, but it was with a huge sustainable bent to it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Final thing then, Rebecca, what's next for TentShare? TentShare needs to grow. My vision is that we have a tent in every city or at least 10 tents in every town, village, city available to rent if you want 
to and for people to make money from. And so the more people who can list it onto the website, the better and you can choose to rent it or not rent it as you so wish when they pop up on the map yes so i want to see all over the uk <laughs> and ireland tents available everywhere to share and to use and people outside getting into camping and having a wicked time yeah what better way to connect with nature thank you so much rebecca from tent share joining us anyone listening please get on to tent share and list your tent uh, and get involved in sharing. So thank you. And we'll see you again soon. Hopefully, Rebecca. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you again. So nice <laughs> to see you. Absolutely love what you're doing as well. Oh, and poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of Rachel's buttercup posters is behind me. It's absolutely beautiful. Get a lot of good comments about that. Yeah, no, it's beautifully illustrated by Grace, as always. Thanks. <laughs>